My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our program will know very well by now, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And as we record this particular podcast on the 15th of September 2022, we pay tribute to one of our most cherished and beloved leaders in the shape of Her Late Majesty the Queen, who served this country with such immense devotion throughout the entirety of her days. Um, Joining me on today's programme, in fact, is John Kirk, a school governor with many years of experience in education and who is responsible for the development of partnerships with schools at Good News for Everyone. Um, Formerly known as Gideon's UK, Good News serves to introduce others to the Lord Jesus Christ by placing, presenting or distributing scripture in many different areas of life. Um, John, a very warm welcome to yourself today. And by all means, thank you for joining us on the programme. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Scott, thank you very much indeed. It, uh, it is a pleasure to, to be with you and, and an honour and a privilege. Um, I, I'd just like to also to pay tribute to um, to, to our late uh, our late Queen. Uh, obviously, such a role model to many, and her life of faith um, has, has has just been such an inspiration. Um, it was interesting that during her coronation, uh, she was presented with a copy of the Bible. Mm. And the words of the Archbishop at the time are, uh, this is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. And the Queen followed uh, the the Bible and the teachings of Jesus all her days, as we only know too well. Absolutely so. And... um... This is essentially what we're going to be talking about uh, today as well, isn't it, John? Uh, what Good News um, essentially serves to uh, to do. And uh, an organisation that you work with quite closely, of course, is the National Association of Teachers of Religious Education. And the idea behind that, I believe, is to produce sort of curriculum-based material for schools and to sort of train your members to go into sort of academic settings, deliver assemblies, lessons related to religious education. But... Um, a problem for you of late um, has been actually sort of getting that engagement off the ground. And I was hoping just uh, to kind of set the scene as to talk about what the nature of that problem is and exactly how we can maybe look to address that. Yes, I think it's it's safe to say that, um, that the, the, the whole education scenario has undergone a great deal of change even before the pandemic. Um, uh, and certainly, when when the organisation first started in the UK some 70 years ago, it was almost uh, taken as a given um, that uh, every secondary school would invite us in, and uh, two of our representatives would go in there for five minutes and talk about the Bible and present a free copy to uh, to every child, and and it was almost given as a divine right that we would we would go in. Obviously, the country has changed hugely since then. Uh, might be described as a post-Christian society. And certainly schools are um, very much a pluralistic environment now. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, some people seem to, in education, seem to describe it as a, a secular environment. And, and that's actually quite a, a distinctive term. A secular environment is one which caters for no spiritual realm. Um, and, and in this country, no matter what people's background or, or ethnic um, origin, um, spirituality is still a very important aspect of, of the life of every individual. So to describe a, a, an education setting as secular is is, is really not correct. Mm. 
Yeah, of course. And we've got the Education Act, haven't we, which essentially requires that religious education sort of reflects sort of the dominant aspect of that particular country, which, of course, um, here in the UK is uh, is Christianity. And I know, obviously, there's a lot of pluralism in schools now, but um, the, the Education Act essentially elevates the importance, doesn't it, of uh, religious education in the sort of social, moral and cultural development sense of the individual who is learning. So there is room there for the work that you're doing to go in and essentially facilitate that development but there seems to be a clash with another piece of legislation the equalities act that seems to be impeding that work isn't there uh, certainly that's the perception in a lot of uh, that experience in a lot of schools the uh, 2019 uh, um, inspection framework, the education inspection framework, which is Ofsted's handbook of how they are going to um, uh, grade a school and what they're looking for in their inspections, certainly places a, a much higher emphasis on the importance of RE than in, in previous years. And uh, as you mentioned, the uh, SMSC, it's called the Spiritual, Moral and Cultural Development, um, is now what's described as a critical grade, which means that if every other aspect of school life, teaching and learning, leadership and management, safeguarding well-being, etc., everything else is, is, is outstanding, the top grade in Ofsted, but the SMSC is only considered to be good, then good is the maximum grade the school can be awarded. So it's very much in the school's interest um, to demonstrate how the, the the children the students are, are being developed in this way and certainly our uh, view is that we are adding a huge amount of cultural capital um, to students by offering them a, a free copy of the bible it's not that long of course since the um, 400th anniversary of the uh, the king's james king james bible um, in 2011 that a copy was sent to every school um, but the, the issue that we, we do find, it's, it's certainly not universal, but we do find that a number of schools do tend to um, misinterpret, I think is, is the right way, uh, the, the Equalities Act. Mm. Um, and it, it's unfortunate that, it, it, it's, it's not, I mean, despite its best intentions, it's not a perfect piece of legislation by any means, and, and that can clearly be seen by the way that the Northern Ireland Equalities Commission, or Equalities Commission, I should say, um, their interpretation of it in the case of the Ashes Bakery um, was deemed to be incorrect um, on appeal. So uh, it, it, it's not easy, and it does create what has been called a hierarchy um, of rights. And it's, it's unfortunate that in some cases it's felt that if one particular uh, faith is, is discussed, it could somehow offend people. And, and I know that this is very much not the case. I uh, worked in, a, in an Islamic faith school for 10 years um, as, a, as a clerk, mm. and I was asked to provide uh, lessons uh, to help in lessons in, on Christianity in religious education. And all of the, the children there, perfectly safe in their own belief, uh, and, and all I was there to do was explain the Christian view on topics such as justice and, and, and how uh, charity and giving and so forth. Every child took a copy of the Bible as a textbook. There was no attempt to convert them or tell them what to believe. 
but it's very important that we help them to get the best possible marks in their exam. But in schools where there's, there's less certainty about faith uh, and religion, it is unfortunate that sometimes the, uh, the, the school thinks, oh, if, if we allow them in, then, then we could upset some people and some people might be offended, um, which, which I don't think there's, a, there's any basis for that. Yeah, I suppose if you're certainly familiar with religious scripture, let's say, I mean, you base a lot of uh, the work that you do on the Psalms, for instance, and they're prevalent in not just Christianity, but also Islam, as we've discussed, and Judaism as well. So these are pieces of text that, are, that feature across all of those religions. Yes, I, I particularly enjoy um, when I'm invited into schools uh, with some of the, uh, the older students to talk about the fact that the scriptures are the scriptures. and uh, the Book of Psalms was was written by Moses in in the Judaic and the Christian tradition. In Islam, it was the Prophet Musa, but there was only one man and only one set of writings. And it's the same with the Proverbs, again the wisdom of Solomon, or in Islam, Suleiman. And even the New Testament is considered the Injil, or to contain the Injil in Islam, which is the uh, the writings given to the Prophet Isa, which is which is Jesus. So. It, it, even though the Christianity is in itself the largest worldwide community, but if you add into that the Muslim communities, the Islamic communities, and the Jewish community, it's well over two thirds of the global population. So to think that those scriptures might in some way be offensive to someone is, is a little odd to me. Mm. And I think it's, as you say, it's perhaps down to a lack of awareness, isn't it, about sort of what actually is likely to offend minority groups. And it's what's happening is due to the fear of essentially offending somebody they might perceive, it's it's almost being used to kind of censor your work, isn't it, and stop um, you going into schools and ultimately, as as you mentioned, actually benefiting the pupils because, I mean, they need this social, moral, cultural development, as we've discussed, and it's imperative to them being able to pass an exam. And they're the ones that are going to be losing out as a result of this. Absolutely. And I think censorship is, is, is actually the right word. I can't think of any other book which would be censored in the same way particularly when it's offered as a free resource to every single student. And there's no doubt that our offer is always to support schools uh, in uh, meeting their obligations and requirements when it comes to teaching RE, when it comes to the development of SMSC in schools. We're there to help and support the schools in that delivery, um, as, as well as obviously benefit the, the pupils. That goes hand in hand. So um, it, it is unfortunate if anyone is, is denied that. But it's very interesting when we go into the schools and actually talk to the students themselves, they already have a, a fascinating spiritual uh, ideas and spiritual thoughts themselves. We're not teaching them anything new. Mm. We're, we're just bringing out their views and their thoughts. And some of the conversations that we have, some of the artwork they produce is just astounding. And I think a lot of adults would be really surprised if they could see uh, what comes out in these RE lessons and sometimes in assemblies from the minds of, of, of young people, even in primary school. It's absolutely astonishing the, uh, the awareness that they do have of 
things outside of the material world. So it's really encouraging to uh, uh, to see that, and, it, and I must honest, I find it really good fun uh, to go in and talk with these children and bring these ideas out of them. But we are always very clear: we are never there to tell them what to believe. We we will tell them what Christians believe if that's relevant to their exam. But we're there to get them to think about uh, the spiritual aspect of life. Mm. That's exactly right, because you tend to find, don't you, that they already have their own ideas around spirituality and around morality as well. And it is about sort of essentially bringing those ideas forth and getting them to express themselves. And obviously the resources that you're offering um, at Good News for Everyone, I mean, they are entirely compliant with the law. You're not essentially going in and dictating to people what they should believe. It's free resources for schools to use as they will to help these children sort of pass their exams. But you're not able to help in the right areas because of this sort of tiptoeing around the Equalities Act. In some schools, you're essentially barred from doing that valuable work. Yes, that, that, that is the case. It, it, to me, it's very, very sad. Um, you, you mentioned earlier the National Association of Teachers of RE. Mm. They hold an annual competition for artwork that represents uh, something to do with RE, whether it be the nature of God or how they feel about certain things, could it could it be about prayer or whatever? And maybe see something like 20,000 entries of artwork, and some of them are absolutely amazing. They're, they're quite outstanding. And these come from people who are mostly of faith, but there are, there are definitely those that come from, from children who describe themselves as atheists. They say, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in prayer, or, or I do believe something else. And, and it's wonderful to encourage children to think in this way and develop them in that way. That's the purpose of religious education, to educate and to, to, to bring out this, um, these thoughts that are already in their mind and to encourage them to think about other things. And if it means introducing them to other ideas from other, other religions, that's absolutely fine. Um, I, I think it was uh, Lincolnshire, if I remember rightly, I, he was Lincolnshire County Council, which is a, a very rural area. And they decided that uh, Islam should be taught as one of the GCSE religion, uh, religions um, across every school in the county, which to me is fabulous because the only way that you remove it, fear and ignorance is through education. Mm. So teaching people about other faiths, I think, is invaluable. We do live in a very pluralistic society. We have a... a um, so many faiths in this country. Um, it's quite ironic, really, that missionaries from the UK took the, the, the Christian gospel to most parts of the world, and now so many people are actually coming back to the UK from other parts of the world. So it's uh, quite interesting. It is, isn't it? And um, when we talk about sort of um, teachers maybe needing that reassurance and that education themselves that, you know, this isn't a problem. I mean, it's like these, there's, there's, there's going to be no sort of breaking of the Equalities Act here by doing the work that we're doing. Um, I suppose a lack of understanding on their part is probably one of the uh, the impediments there. But I'm guessing that sort of more regional sort of school coordinators and maybe even Ofsted inspectors, I'm guessing that maybe the input isn't quite there from them either. So the misunderstanding is probably more widespread than just school leaders, isn't it? Yes. Um, I, I think there are a number of aspects at play here. 
Uh, every local authority by law must have a standing advisory committee on religious education that sets the, uh, the, the, the religious syllabus for that area. However, the, the push towards um, academies um, uh, is, is obviously well advanced, and academies sit outside of that. So whilst academies must still teach RE, and it must still be of a broadly Christian nature to reflect the predominant tradition, they don't have to follow the locally agreed syllabus. Mm. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's no real chain there of what's going on. I mean, some, some of the RE syllabus that I've seen in academies is fabulous. It, it really is very good. Um, but it's easy for an academy to isolate itself a little bit from, from, from what might be going on elsewhere. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it, it, it is unfortunate. The other, the other aspect you face, of course, is that in some schools, particularly in the number of primary schools, the, the teaching of RE is not done by someone who is specifically an RE teacher. They maybe teach humanities and they're probably a geographer or a historian and, and they teach RE because no one else will. Um, and, and there's a lack of knowledge there. And, and, and I, you know, I don't, I don't mean that to be demeaning to the teaching profession at all. Like, you, know, you can't be all things to all people. Um, but I think that's where we really seek to help and provide resources. We provide lesson plans. We provide videos that can be shown in lessons or assemblies. And of course, our members will go in there and answer questions on specific subjects. So, so all of this is available. But again, the problem with, with some of the localization is that we will have um, pockets where there's a, a dominant community. And there's no doubt about it that some schools, some teachers are scared to death of offending um, what is locally a strong community and possibly even a vocal community. Um, I mean, I, I think one of the most recent um, incidents, which I think concerned an awful lot of people for an awful a lot of different reasons, Mm. was the uh, case of the Batley Grammar School where the RE teacher has had to go into hiding um, because of something that he discussed about the Prophet Muhammad in RE lessons and something he showed there. Um, and, and, and the reaction to that, I think, was not something which was welcomed uh, universally. And, but there are different stages of that. I'm not saying we get that extreme reaction everywhere, but there's a spectrum of reaction. And, and that's one of the problems that we face. Yeah, absolutely so. And um, something as well that uh, I find quite interesting is we've talked about sort of social, moral and cultural uh, development and the importance of that. Um, you're obviously working, John, yourself, um, as well as uh, with uh, Good News as um, sort of a school governor, and uh, that involves in further education as well. What I find incredibly interesting is that it's considered by Ofsted to be this critical grade for under 16 age groups, but it doesn't necessarily go beyond that. So it's it's not as if you can actually, it's not, it's not really as if you can sort of target children as they get older either, can you? And they're sort of entering sort of their sort of later teenage years and perhaps maybe that development is maybe even more requisite at that point in time. I, I, absolutely. I think that's, a, it's almost quite astonishing. It, it, it's obviously not the intention, but it's as though the government somehow thinks that uh, the, 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 the spiritual, moral, social and cultural development of every child is complete at 16. Mm. Um, but of course, it's definitely, definitely not the case. And there's quite a significant increase in the number of, of FE colleges and sixth form colleges uh, who now employ chaplains. 
and uh, th their role. Chaplaincy is a term which carries with it a certain, I think, a certain amount of baggage. Mm. And there's no doubt that the vast majority of chaplains are, are Christian, but not, not exclusively. But their work in, in the colleges is not about Christianity or RE per se. It is about being someone uh, that, that the students can come to, uh, that they can talk about, that they can discuss problems. Um, without any sort of fear of judgment that they might get from teachers. Uh, and the reports that I hear back from some of these chaplains uh, in, in colleges up and down the land is, is really very powerful. They have helped students come to terms with, uh, with loss. Um, many students lost uh, grandparents and elderly relatives in the, in the pandemic. Mm. Um, and, and how do they deal with it if they don't have... Uh, uh, um, an understanding of spirituality or, or uh, have not considered things like like death or is there an afterlife or whatever, um, it, it, these things hit them. And if they've no focus point, it's very difficult to contend with. And, uh, uh, and students who are over 16 are no less um, susceptible to, um, to the events and circumstances in life which we all face. And, and to for them not to have the the option of going to somebody, I think it's it's it certainly shows the, the merit of, of chaplaincy where it seems. I think that's a, um, certainly something which is there, but it seems odd that it's not. Whereas SMSC has to be embedded into the whole school life uh, under sixteen. Post sixteen, there's there's certainly nothing statutory, um, and and it's almost left to be optional. I think I think there's. I think we're missing something there, um, particularly post-pandemic. Mm. There's, there's no doubt that what we have seen is huge gaps appearing in the learning skills and the study skills and the social skills of students during the time that schools were closed. So um, when, when, you're, when you're an old man like me, two years is, is, is a very small percentage. Um, but if, if you're a 15, 16-year-old and you've sort of been a sentient teenager only for four or five years to lose two of those years is, is a huge loss in terms of social interaction. So we're finding um, students, there are, there's not a, a, every student by any means who has a stable home life. They might have problems at home mm. and some, for some of them, school was their escape. They could get out of a difficult home situation. They could spend eight hours around out of home, six hours in school and college, and, and this would be their escape. Um, but instead, they were subjected to a 24-7 at home. So there are certainly problems. Um, that, that the, we only have to look at the dramatic increase in referrals for mental health for young people mm. to see what, what the story is and, and what the picture is. And we, we believe that um, the, the scriptures can help. And all of our scriptures have at the beginning uh, a list of what we call Bible help. So it tells them where to look for all of the events and circumstances in life, all of the things that happen to us. Um, what does the Bible say about life and death and marriage and heaven and hell and sex and drugs and everything else? There's something in the scriptures in terms of wisdom to support and comfort everyone. Um, and and, and that's, that's why we do what we do. 
Exactly right. It almost seems as if there needs to be that personal and character development work that you're in a position to provide. But again, the, the ability to do that is sort of being impeded for reasons that we've already discussed. And I do think it's very, very true that there maybe is this perception that spiritual, moral, cultural development is finalised at 16. But you could argue in many ways that sort of that 16 to 20, that 16 to 21 age range is where you sort of change the most. You sort of shaped into one of the like the kind of person you're going to be for some time in that sense uh, and obviously you it's it's a huge um, sort of period of responsibility as well in the sense that you're finishing school you're going into further education perhaps you maybe need the grades that you need to go to go to the university you want there's a, there's a huge amount of uh, sort of stress there and a huge amount of upheaval in people's lives quite commonly around that period and they they need that that development and th- they're not getting it I mean, you're absolutely right, Scott. I think the, um, the, the the pressures and stresses on young people today is easy for old folk to say, oh, you know, we had it tough. Um, but it's a, it's a different world um, today, a completely different world for young people. They do have this huge pressure. Um, just going back to the pandemic, uh, in, in my own college, we had students sitting A-levels. And it was the first exam they'd ever sat. So they'd had no previous experience of sitting exams and the pressure that comes with that and then all of a sudden you throw on them these crucial exams which they sit at 18 which could determine the rest of their lives and and, and then when they are preparing to leave college it's which university where do i go mm. um, and we're pushing them out into a um, a world where they're going to be exposed to um, ideas and concepts um, some of which are extremely unhealthy and we're not equipping them to make sensible decisions. And I think that's a real problem. Um, we, we, we have young people going out into the world, they're going to university, they are, um, the, the, the impact of, of social media and, and the growth of media in general. Um, when I was a lad, there was one TV channel. I think there might have been two and a couple of radio stations, and that was it. Whereas today, you've got countless uh, uh, social media platforms. You've got all sorts of, of streaming media, and that th- young people can be bombarded with all sorts of ideas and concepts, not all of which are healthy. And we need to equip them for them to discern what is good and what is not helpful for them. Yeah, and obviously they're more likely to be exposed to this sort of content from sort of secondary school age onwards, aren't they? And uh, that's kind of the the problem area for you in all of this, isn't it? Because it seems as if... um, primary schools are sort of very keen to engage when children are a lot younger but when they're entering those years where they are susceptible to the most change they're susceptible to exposure as you say to lots of different ideas some are healthy some unhealthy that's where they kind of need the awareness more than ever and uh, that seems to be where you know the blank spot is let's say yes i I mean there are some wonderful organizations doing great work in schools um it is it is terribly sad that in this day and age we have to have uh, schools have to have sexting policies mm-hmm. um, because that's what young people are exposed to. Um, the uh, PSYOPs, the uh, Online Children's uh, Incident Online Protection Service, is, um, is so concerned about what's going on here. We do have some excellent initiatives that are teaching uh, young people about healthy relationships. 
Um, again, I've seen this in colleges where, where, where I've worked, and there are other uh, organisations who are going in. Um, I, I know Christian organisations that go into colleges and put on breakfast clubs just so that they can talk to young people. And schools have seen the most dramatic change in behaviour uh, as a result of this. The improvements have been quite remarkable just from having someone else to talk to um, uh, in a non-judgmental fashion. So, so there's so much that can be done, but we are missing a trick here. And by by offering young people a, a, a copy of a copy of scripture, and and helping to develop their thoughts in terms of spirituality and moral and cultural development, I think is so important. But I think the government has seen this, obviously, with the the importance that's now attached to SMSC. But I don't think it goes far enough. And it's by no means universal. There are still schools who are still um, don't properly understand and are scared. I think they're scared of the whole concept of a religion. Um, let's face it, the mainstream media loves to tear down anybody with religion. We only have to look at um, how some of our politicians are treated. Um, there was a, a leader of the Liberal Democrats not too long ago, Tim Farron. Um, and the media, the mainstream media, couldn't wait to get at him about his Christian views because they saw him as a, like an easy target. Um, so the mainstream media uh, often don't help when it comes to um, this whole development of, of spirituality amongst our younger people. No, I can certainly see where you're coming from from that perspective. And um, I think um, that sort of contributes to a little bit of the misconception, doesn't it? Because I suppose when people think about organisations such as yourselves going in and engaging with young people, it's it's almost portrayed as if you're sort of thrusting these sort of archaic resources from, uh, upon them. But that isn't the case, is it? It's digestible. It's um, presented in a way... You only have to look at the Youth Bible, for instance. I mean, it is presented in a way that... Um, these young people can digest it they can understand it and they can take a lot from it so it is tailored to them there's a lot that goes into this absolutely the um the, the areas which we call the helps in front which can deal with all of the events and circumstances that that people are going to face in life particularly young people the, these are considered on a regular basis um by by the teaching profession those who know young people and deal with them um, and, and, and not just Christians, but these are very real issues for young people that, that weren't the previous generation. And offering them some sort of guidance and offering them some sort of boundaries is so important. And I think the, the most important thing of all in this, as you say, we, we don't want, it's very easy to be told that we're thrusting things upon other people. We are there to offer a free resource. Mm. We are not there to tell people what to believe. But we are there to offer them a free copy of the wisdom of the ages. As I mentioned, in the Coronation Oath, it says, these are the lively oracles of God, the royal laws. And those laws have been around since the beginning of mankind. It is, it is something from which all of us can learn, whether we agree with it all or not. And nobody's going to agree with it all. But there is wisdom in there. I think that is also in the coronation oath. It says, here is wisdom. And again, whichever faith you come from, Solomon or Suleiman was regarded as the wisest man that ever lived. And so having the sayings of Solomon in the Proverbs 
um, in these little books can't be a bad thing. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I, th- I think I think it's also key what you mentioned there as well. You don't have to agree and take all of it for essentially the 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 word, do you? I mean, of course, it is the scripture, but there are a lot of things in there that necessarily you don't have to apply to everyday life. You you look at the wisdom that is relevant to you, and you can use that to sort of make good decisions. Yes, absolutely. I there's no doubt about it. You could. You could take a room full of Christians, you could take a room full of our members and ask them certain questions, and you'd get totally different answers from each of them um, uh, about their view or their interpretation. Um, but there are certain fundamentals that, that they would all agree on, but certainly not all of it. And we only have to look across the spectrum of, of Christian denominations to see that people have uh, different thoughts, different ideas, different interpretations. Um, but not one of them would throw out the scriptures and and, and even those from other faiths. And, and I experienced this personally when there was an issue with um, the possibility of Bibles being withdrawn from local hospitals. Um, some of the staunchest support that I received came from other faith communities, from the Sikh community, from the Muslim community saying scripture is, is your scripture to you is as important as our scripture to us. And if you start taking scripture out, then it will affect all of us in, in, uh, that have a faith. And, and it's very important that, um, that faith itself is not diminished. And again, we owe so much to um, Her Majesty the Queen for uh, faith being a central part of, uh, of her entire life and her reign. And, uh, the country uh, owes her a huge debt of gratitude for that alone, in my opinion. Mm. She is a staunch example of that, isn't she? It's absolutely incredible mm. uh, the level of devotion she uh, she had for her faith and also the nation at large. She devoted her entire life to duty, in fact, and a huge example for us all to follow. And we do. Uh, hold her very closely in our memories and having uh, sort of discussed the uh, the scale of the problem today John that your organization is facing um, I guess obviously just before we wrap up on the program today it serves to discuss exactly what action you feel needs to be taken in order for you to complete that key work that you need to complete in your view um, I guess a little bit of education and understanding on the part of those that are sort of veering away from it is one thing but it's it's going to have to take something a little bit more comprehensive than that, isn't it, I suppose? Uh, yes, I suppose it is. I, it, it, it's a, I, I don't know that there's too many easy answers. Mm. And the last thing that it is for, for, for us to do is to dictate to any school or, 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 or any educational authority what should or should not go on in the school. Um, and uh, I, I'm personally very much in favour of the school executive and the school um, governing body and leadership having um, its autonomy. I think that's really important to meet the needs of the local population. But I do think that there needs to be a greater understanding of of what the scriptures can do to improve the life of not only uh, the students, but also the staff and the whole uh, community in, in a school or college um, and I think that the problem uh, really is that the Equalities Act has given um, 
something to hide behind for those who either are not sure, don't understand, aren't keen, um, but for whatever reason, um, you know, they're scared of upsetting some community or another. Um, the equality act is giving them a, um, a something to hide behind, even though it actually shouldn't, because it's not being interpreted properly. I, do, I mean, unfortunately, I do have to say, I think the Equalities Act itself, despite its very best intentions, um, has not solved every problem. Because you do have this hierarchy of rights whose rights are, are greater. So how, how this is done, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it's appropriate to mandate anything in this uh, in this arena for schools, but I do think uh, that raising awareness uh, has to come from uh, from government in terms of the Department for Education. Um, the academy sector is is quite um, say isolated as such, but it's it's very uh, able to um, to paddle its own canoe here um, without any. Um, inspection uh, that relates specifically to that, because I have to say I don't think necessarily that Ofsted inspectors um, have. How can I put this delicately? Um, whilst a lot of teachers don't have a full understanding of RE, um, a number of our it, it would be um, impossible to expect a, an inspection team of four or five people to have the right degree of knowledge and experience in every single subject, RE being one of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I think there does have to be uh, a serious look at this on behalf of the uh, Department of Education. And obviously, hopefully, from your perspective, we see that coming sooner rather than later. But obviously, in the, uh, the current sort of climate that we find ourselves in and uh, the fact that the problem is still very much there, um, ideally over the you know, the next few months, let's say 12 months ahead of now, uh, John, um, I, what, what, what would you like to sort of see from your own organisation? What is it that you're sort of hoping to achieve given the current situation that you're dealing with? Well, we have we've taken great comfort actually just in, 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 in the last uh, um, week um, in, in this first sort of few days of the morning of, of Her Majesty the Queen to see the profile of, of her faith in particular has been raised across the nation. And it's not met with any uh, any degree at all of, of resistance or, or, or rebellion. Um, it's been accepted and it's been welcomed by the community. And I think that actually demonstrates that for the community as a whole, and certainly for schools and for colleges and for, for the people of this country, religion is not something to be scared of. Um, in, in itself. And so that is very welcome. We have, uh, 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 have started to uh, work in primary schools um, and we are finding the welcome we receive from them to be totally different. They are so welcoming. Again, they might not have specific RE teachers in primary schools, they being much smaller. And some of the resources that we have for them now have been welcomed with open arms. Um, and, and this has been encouraged through the, uh, diocese, the diocese of both the um, Anglican and the Roman Catholic churches. So I think with this new government in place, mm. I, I think here's an impetus from um, the, the memory of the Queen of, of how central to her entire life and reign was the message of Jesus Christ. I think it would be wonderful if that can be um, 
I think just carried on um, and, and the importance of it should not be uh, allowed to sort of fritter away um, from this government in its in its new um, what it's in the policies that it sets out and when it looks at education afresh I think that's what we would really like to see is a real emphasis on the part of education and just how important um, that faith in Jesus was to Her Majesty the Queen and how can we bring that into education for young people today? Let's certainly see what direction they choose to take on that. Um, John, it's been an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the programme today to talk about this issue and, um, of course, your views on that. I mean, it's been, it, And also, just for those that uh, might obviously like to find out a little bit more about Good News and uh, the work that you do, um, you do have a website, don't you? Um, I believe it's uh, goodnewsuk.com is the, the best port of call for that. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes, Good News UK. Um, we, we were formerly known as uh, Gideon's UK, but yes, goodnewsuk.com is where we are. Um, there's lots of information on there. And of course, everyone is welcome to a free Bible. If they uh, go online there, they can just fill out a form and one will be sent to them with the greatest of pleasure. And we do have on there a page of all of our resources for education, which are growing all of the time. Um, a lot of them developed with uh, NATRE, the Association of Teachers of RE, and the partnerships that we're starting to build with other Christian organizations now is really encouraging. Mm. Um, there's the Association of Christian Teachers and the Independent Schools Christian Alliance and so many others um, and, and, and individual charities who are going into school and doing fabulous work um, with children. And another one I mentioned is prayer spaces in schools. Um, again, it is Christians going in and doing it, but there's nothing overtly Christian about it per se. But the changes that they see in the in, in the students uh, is really quite phenomenal in what they do. And uh, we're very happy to support organisations like that wherever we can. Absolutely so. And uh, for anybody who might have been tuning into this particular podcast today, actually, and you do feel that what we've discussed today particularly resonates with you and you do want to leave a comment on any of that, um, you can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us to share your perspective. And um, if you are the head of your own organisation affected by these issues or you'd like to maybe give a voice to some of the own uh, topical matters and issues affecting your organisation or your business, you too can also apply to be on our programme to talk about that via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and it could well be you sitting on the uh, the big red chair next time around um john i have to say again thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the show it's been a real real pleasure having you speak to us and do take care and stay safe with all still going on as well scott thank you very much indeed i say the pleasure and honor is all mine and i'd be delighted to join and everybody is well tuning in i do hope that you've thoroughly enjoyed hearing from john kirk at good news for everyone and i've been your host scott challoner on the leaders council today um We'll be seeing you again next time and until then, please do all take care and goodbye.